Pastor Ray Bentley highlights a tough assignment for believers. Our greatest challenge to share our faith and our love for the Lord will always be in our own home. The toughest place to live the life that is pleasing to God and share boldly our faith. It's much easier to go preach uh, to the, you know, unknown masses than it is to a handful of people who have known you your whole life. Spread the news of his people coming down before the King. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming, join the song, sing along, let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. It's a sad irony that the people we love the most are often the least receptive in our efforts to share our faith. We want our earthly families to be a part of God's family. Today, we'll see Jesus himself face that same dynamic. We'll address this subject head on as Pastor Ray continues our studies in Mark. Very briefly, I want to begin tonight by saying that in my uh, times of praying and seeking the Lord, the Lord's asked me to start, I've been starting to pray and fast on one day a week, and the reason for that is, as I wait on the Lord and as I pray, here's what I'm hearing uh, from the Holy Spirit. First of all, He says, don't be afraid. (laughs) He says, don't be afraid. At the same time, he says that uh, earth-shaking events are coming and that also revival is coming. There are going to be things that are going to happen that are going to shake the whole earth. And believers, as well as unbelievers, will be shaken because of the the impact of the things that will come uh, to the earth. But at the same time, the Lord is saying, I want my bride to realize these are all things she knows and that she has been told before, and I want her to be excited, not because of the bad things that happen. We don't want those kind of things to happen, but to be excited to realize these are signs that the Lord told us are indications that the wedding of the Lamb is approaching and that our bridegroom is coming and on his way. And when heaven gets stirred up, uh, the the whole supernatural world gets shaken up, not only in heaven, but on the earth. First the natural, then the spiritual. So we'll see some amazing things happen in the natural. And those who have eyes and ears to hear it will realize that these are windows into which we are seeing uh, momentous change happening in the supernatural realm. On top of that, the Lord said, but be encouraged because many are going to get saved. And already the greatest harvest in the history of the church is underway. And yet I keep hearing the Lord say, but it's nothing compared with what is to come. And in fact, uh, the verse that he keeps reminding me of is that the harvest is so plentiful. He says, here's what I need you and want you to pray and seek me for, that the laborers are too few. The harvest is so big, so massive, God's love for the world is so great and so many from every nation, language and kindred and tribe are coming uh, to him and even masses of people more will be coming to him, but there aren't enough laborers. Uh, So revival is uh, coming even more and the glory of God is also coming even more. 
And everything that we know and believe and do and practice as Christians will take on an even greater vibrancy. It's like we're, we're going to move into more of, of the third and fourth dimension and, and of experiencing the power, the presence, and the glory of the Lord. So good days are ahead. Amen? Amen. So be encouraged, be comforted, be hopeful, be looking, waiting, watching, all of these things. And, and in light of all of that, I am delighted as we now open our Bibles to Mark 6 because there could not be a better preparation because the Lord then says, now after you tell them all that, uh, Ray, you as one of my shepherds need to prepare them uh, for the days to come. So what better way to do that than be in the Gospel of Mark? And now we are in chapter 6, and we're going to look through verses 1 through 12. And we're going to finish the, the message tonight with Jesus sending the disciples out, uh, two by two. And, and he sends them out as emissaries of the Messiah. We're going to talk about what that means. But let's uh, look at the first part here in uh, verses 1 through 6. As Jesus finally, after a year of ministry uh, around uh, the Sea of Galilee and the headquarters of Capernaum, he goes back to his home. He goes back to Nazareth. So we read beginning in verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished. And saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom? Is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit, teaching, and he called the twelve unto himself. So we'll stop there for right now. When Jesus came home... This is uh, his hometown, this is Nazareth. And we're talking about, again, after a year of ministry in Capernaum where miracles have been happening and now large crowds have already begun to follow him in his first year. And he now comes home. It's not a great distance away, it's still in the northern part of Israel. Capernaum is not that far from Nazareth, but he leaves Capernaum and he takes now his disciples who have been taught and trained and discipled by him for about a year. He takes his disciples with him to his home. And when he comes to his home, many people are looking at him and they have no doubt heard the stories. Uh, they have heard of the miracles. They've heard of supernatural things. And they're confused because they know Jesus and in their minds, they've known him since he was a little boy growing up in Nazareth. And there was not one thing extraordinary about him. He was, in many ways, the most common little Nazarene you'd ever want to meet, having come from Nazareth. 
There was nothing that special or standish out about him. And so now he comes home. And the other part was that he was a carpenter. Uh, and so generally, and, and he was a full-grown man. He, he had begun his ministry when he was 30. Let's say he's 31. So the, the, the vast majority of his life, uh, he was a man who worked with his hands. He was a day laborer. He was a, uh, a man of construction. And now all of a sudden, usually, you know, when, especially in that culture and at that time, you, you started around 12 years of age. You kind of decided which course. Am I going to be a rabbi? Am I going to go for religious studies? Am I going to be a man of the word and prayer and study? Or am I going to be a man that you works with my hands, maybe a fisherman, maybe I'll be a carpenter, uh, maybe I'll work in farming. And, and you usually charted your path and then you went and by the time you're a full grown man and you become a journeyman in whatever area you are, you don't switch or trade. So this is very, very difficult for them. In their mind, and, and by the way, I think many of them, while a few may have gone over to Galilee and seen it for themselves, there were probably the vast majority that they didn't travel far. They didn't have to and they didn't want to. So they'd only heard stories. So in their minds, he's still the contractor, the carpenter that is coming back. But they heard that he's a rabbi, he's been teaching, all kinds of things are being said about him. And what's interesting is, uh, as Jesus comes, the response that he gets. It says in verse two, and when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished. They're absolutely, they cannot put together Jesus, his power, his authority, his presence, his being a rabbi for that matter, where did this man get these things? And the things they were confounded about, his wisdom. They recognize he's not talking like a carpenter. How, where did this wisdom come from? And that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter? So the greatest challenge to Jesus' ministry were from his own hometown, his own family, among his own familiar friends. And I believe, first of all, that how gracious of Jesus to return here. If you remember, it had been a year previously that he had begun, right after his baptism, he went to the synagogue there in Nazareth, he opened the scriptures, uh, and which was a privilege that was given at that time, and he read, they had sections of scripture they would read, and the section of scripture he read on that particular Sabbath after he had been baptized by John the Baptist was Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty the captives, to proclaim, you know, the acceptable year of the Lord. And so he rolls up the scroll and instead of making a comment or quoting some other rabbis, Jesus with power and authority says, I say to all of you, these scriptures are fulfilled today in your presence and in your ears. He was claiming them for himself and that broke up church that day, that broke up the meeting, they started what? And somebody stands up and did he claim this is, this is a messianic path? He's claiming he's the Messiah. This guy, that's, he's from our hometown. We know him. And they started yelling. And Jesus gets up. He walks outside. A crowd follows him and to a precipice, which is up. We've been to Nazareth. Some of you here have been with me to Nazareth. It's a city 
on a hill. It's very high mountain over the Megiddo Valley. They, they are pressing and pushing him and they bring him literally right to the precipice where they're ready to push him off and kill him. They're so angry and so upset. How dare he claim these messianic passages for himself. But then we read and Jesus turned around. He looked at them and he walked right through the midst of them and no one touched him and laid a hand on him. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. We really enjoy hearing when Pastor Ray's teaching and preaching touches lives. Dear Maranatha Chapel, thank you so much for your ministry. I really appreciate Pastor Ray's daily devotions and the online worship. Thank you also for your prayers of protection. God bless each and every one of you and your loved ones. And we thank that listener for those uplifting words. How have Pastor Ray's studies in God's Word each day encouraged you? Would you write him and tell him your story? Send Pastor Ray an email at ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So that was in his home synagogue, right after his baptism, right after the Holy Spirit had come upon him, and he goes and reads that scripture and is ready to be in his ministry, and, and that's his first synagogue uh, Sabbath experience. He hasn't been back for a year. He has now come back one year later. How do you, how do you feel about that? Do you, you think, what, um, what was Jesus feeling? What was he thinking? What were they saying? You remember what happened a year ago? Probably everybody wanted, let's go to the synagogue, see what happens this time. And he taught again with power and with authority. And there were some people that were healed, let alone the stories that had come all the way from the Sea of Galilee. And how gracious of Jesus to come again. I wanna ask you this question. What does it tell you about Jesus that in the very place he was rejected, at home, he came back again? He gives them another opportunity to see him, to hear him, and to observe him. Here's the application. Our greatest challenge, I mean, many of us, we get saved, we get excited, we want, you know, set the world on fire, we want everybody saved, but our, your and my greatest challenge to share our faith and our love for the Lord will always be in our own home. The toughest place to live the life that is pleasing to God and share boldly our faith. And especially when people go, I know you, don't act all holy, you know, hallelujah. I know you you little twerp, <laughs> I know you, you are, you know, you're mean and you are spiteful and you are selfish and we, we know all of your weaknesses and flaws and see, unlike Jesus who had never done anything wrong, we have. So they can point their finger and wow, it's much easier to go preach uh, to the, you know, unknown masses than it is to a handful or two of people who have known you your whole life. But what this does tell us is that home is important, very important. And that many times what happens when a young believer, you get saved and, and you, you do rush home and you say you know, to mom, dad, brother, sister, I, it's the most incredible thing. Jesus is alive, he's real, and, you know, and, and you are firing upon them. You're like literally you know, the, the hose of a fire hydrant and it's just going like Niagara Falls. 
I can remember when I first got saved and I was so passionate and so excited and you know, I would go to Bible studies and I would take notes and I had answers to their questions even before they asked their questions. And I, I would fire all upon them. And I was shocked that they weren't just melting and just weeping and go, oh, this is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but they were sometimes, uh, you know, they would fight, uh, they would argue, they would, get, they would be threatening. I'll never forget, I shared one time with one man and I thought I was making a breakthrough as he got madder and madder and madder. Oh wow, we're breaking down the enemy in this drama. No, he was getting ready to punch my lights out. And it wasn't until he told me, if you don't stop, I'm gonna punch your lights out, that I finally went, oh, I guess I better, I guess my witnessing is not working. How many times has youthful zeal of passion and evangelism almost literally, you talk about the Bible thumping, it may be with the best of intentions but it can also do some damage. So then you go away for a while and, and you live the life. Well, Jesus has now lived the calling of the Messiah for a year. And the reason that this uh, was so difficult for them, it not, was not easy for them to write him off. They are in pain and in agony and in confusion because he has now a year worth of not, no doubt hundreds and thousands of testimonies that are a backlog. There are people walking around in the north part of Israel saying, I was lame and now I can walk because of Jesus from Nazareth. I was blind, but now I can see because of Jesus of Nazareth. They could not deny this backlog of miracles, but they knew his upbringing and his family, and for 30 years, nothing that unusual, and they just couldn't put it all together. But what it does show us is, Jesus left for a season, but then there was a time he came back. And I believe that there may be a time where you and I are called to not give up on them, or become like them and write them off, as maybe they have written us off, but to once again go to a mom or to a dad or to a brother or to a sister uh, or someone close in your family that you care deeply about, come to them again. Hopefully with a, with a more um, you know, patient uh, graciousness. We have to work on our character. Christ is always perfect. But it is very, very important. They may have been wondering even, is this for real? Uh, the, the, you know, it's been a year, it's still fairly new of Jesus. Is, is this a phase that he is going through? And, and a real test was coming to him. And here's what Jesus shows. I, I put a couple of things you can put down, write down in your notes just so you write it, think about it, and plant it in your mind. Jesus' example shows us that we need to be, number one, patient with our family and home. Patience. You cannot argue them into the kingdom of heaven, but you can love them into the kingdom of heaven. And number two, we learn be gracious with people who do not trust us in the beginning. Be gracious. There are too many Christians that get to the front of the line in the media and responding to various things and issues in the world. And while many times when I hear them, they're saying the right things, how many of you know it's possible to say the right things, but in the wrong tone to totally be saying the opposite? 
And someone, a friend of mine said, in the right key, you can say just about anything. And in the wrong key, you can't say anything. So it's very true. We must learn graciousness with people who do not trust us. But they were impressed with his wisdom. They were impressed with his mighty works. Although Jesus could have done a lot more mighty, wonderful works, but they did not want to trust in him. It's not just that they didn't believe in him. They couldn't deny the people that had been healed, the miracles that had happened in other villages and regions, but they didn't want to trust themselves to him. And and that that cut them short. And, And Jesus was willing and wanting. I'm sure he would have wanted more miracles in his home than anywhere else if they would have only trusted in him. It's a very important word. In fact, I want you to write this down for those who like to take notes. So often we talk about believe, 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 and in English, the word believe does not fully uh, describe the Hebrew meaning. The Hebrew meaning is not just to believe. There are many people, yes, I believe even that Jesus is the Messiah and uh, that that he did miracles and, and maybe even that he rose from the dead. But that's not the kind of belief the Bible is talking about. The other word that, that really gets to the core of it is the word trust. Write down the word trust. If we will learn how to trust, it, this is the basis of all glorious, deep, loving, abiding relationships. Even a marriage is built on trust. Not just believing, not just saying, but a level of trust. Trust. God is so condescends that he humbles himself that he would say, will you please trust in me? He's the, he should be the easiest person to trust. He's all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful. He can do anything he wants, anytime he wants. And he does it always out of no other motivation than pure love. And yet we struggle. Ah, can I trust you, Lord? Yes. Oh, how desperately he wants us to trust him. How many more things Jesus would have done? But, and as I mentioned here, being a little facetious and a little silly, what were the local blogs saying and getting wrong about Jesus? And again, verse 3, is this not the carpenter? And again, verse 3, is this not the carpenter? He's just, what they were really saying is, not that he was a carpenter, There's, the implication was he's just a carpenter. God loves to hide his glory in humble places and circumstances. And so often we go, we are ashamed of our humble uh, circumstances. The Apostle Paul learned a great secret. Rather than being ashamed of all my, uh, you know, weak spots, he began to glory in them. He gloried in all of his weaknesses. Why? He said, because it's not about me. It's about him. It's about Jesus. He gets more glory. And now that God has become a man and has chosen that his son would be a day laborer and a contractor and a man who worked with his hands and a carpenter, God says, I like that. I get glory from my son. And he he beautified for every day laborer uh, the the value, uh, the importance of working hard, working daily, working with your hands. It honors all work and God receives more glory. Good insights from our studies in the Gospel of Mark today with Pastor Ray Bentley here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled Emissaries of Messiah. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. When you first arrive at our homepage, when you click Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll find Pastor Ray's latest books there, too. His new books, On the Mountain of the Lord, and his latest, The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on our site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.